Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. This is going to be a policy and politics discussion with members of the House Freedom Caucus, which we will talk more about here in just a few moments. But for more information about the Freedom Caucus, we would encourage you to follow us at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus or at Twitter at Freedom Caucus. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. I am a board member of the House Freedom Caucus and the chairman of communications for this spectacular group. Just a bit of information about me. I was born and raised in Georgia and now have the distinct honor and privilege of representing the 10th congressional district of that great state. Before coming to Congress, I was a pastor for about 25 years and a conservative radio talk show host, but my most proud and honored treasure is my wife of over 35 years, Dee Dee, our two daughters and their incredible families, which include four grandchildren for us. And quite frankly, they are the reason why I'm here in Washington uh, fighting for our values and that next, next generation coming up. But since this is our first podcast, what I'd like to begin to do, first of all, is just give a quick overview of what you can expect as we go forward. As many of you already know, and as you can imagine, there are a lot of misconceptions that are associated with the House Freedom Caucus. We are mischaracterized often. And so let me just begin a a couple of examples of misconceptions. One would be is that many times people look at us and think we are just a, a group of monolithic individuals that all we do is vote for the Freedom Caucus. We surrender our voting card to the Freedom Caucus, even if that means going against our own districts and that type of thing. Let me just tell you, folks, nothing, absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, one of the things that I love most about being in Congress is the meetings we have every week as Freedom Caucus members. I can tell you We come together and the debate is hot, it is passionate, it's intense, it's intellectual. It is filled with the greatest strategists and policy minds and procedural minds that we have on Capitol Hill. I wish you could experience a Freedom Caucus meeting. Every week I leave inspired, I leave uh, with a sense of education, that I've learned things I didn't know before. It is absolutely spectacular. There are no meetings in Capitol Hill as informative, as productive as the Freedom Caucus meetings. And that is part of why we're bringing these podcasts to you. We want you to have a crack in the door, to be able to walk inside a Freedom Caucus meeting in whatever capacity we're able to bring that to you on these podcasts. Another example of misconceptions that I often hear is that people say you Freedom Caucus uh, members, all you do is vote no on everything, no on every piece of legislation. Again, nothing could be further from the truth. Now, it is a reality that in order to be a member of the House Freedom Caucus, you have to be willing to go against congressional leadership when that becomes necessary. That's absolutely true. But the other side of that coin is that to be a member, you must also be willing to work with leadership when possible and try to find a compromise and try to find a solution. And we have done this from the very beginning. Freedom Caucus actually started in 2015. At that time, John Boehner was the Speaker of the House, 
And it was the Freedom Caucus at that time who found a compromise solution on a budget vote with John Boehner. And we have continued to do that throughout our existence from topics ranging from healthcare to immigration. The Freedom Caucus has been a major mover and shaker within our conference to find solutions. So that's the goal of this Freedom Caucus podcast. We're going to cut through those misconceptions. We're going to bring you members of the caucus for up close and personal conversations about policy, about politics, and about their individual lives. We will also bring you conversations with other individuals in Washington, uh, movers and shakers. Some of them will be from nonprofit organizations providing research and legislative analysis. Uh, But we will bring you people who are helping us to work for you. Sometimes we'll bring you on this podcast senators, people from the uh, upper chamber of Congress. But we're going to be dealing with policies, with politics, and keeping you informed, giving you an open door into the House Freedom Caucus. And I cannot tell you just how excited I am uh, to bring you what, what we have planned in the next few weeks. And I hope you will join us and be committed to be a part of this. Now, our first guest today, frankly, needs no introduction. Mark Meadows has served as the Freedom Caucus chairman for the last two years, going on three years now. And under his leadership, the Freedom Caucus has grown both in numbers, but more importantly, in its influence. Mark began to serve Congress in 2013. Prior to that, for 25 years, he was building businesses in North Carolina in his home state. Right now, he serves on the Oversight Committee and also the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. But here's what probably most of you know about Mark Meadows. He came to prominence when he started using House rules here to help influence congressional debate. And in that process, he came across a little-known rule called the motion to vacate. And you know the rest of the story. I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to let Mark tell us about that in greater detail here in just a few moments. But to be quite frank with you, there is no other member of Congress who has as good of a relationship with President Trump than does Mark Meadows. And I'm sure he's too humble to admit that, but it's true. And I will also say no one works harder than Mark to work for and represent ordinary Americans right here in Congress. Well, Mark, it is really just a great honor to have you on this first episode of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Well, it's great to be with you, Jody, and, and thank you for the kind words. Obviously, uh, it's it's so good when you get to connect to the people back home, and hopefully that this will be a good tool for the letting the forgotten man and woman know exactly what's happening in Washington, D.C., the unvarnished truth, as I know you, you love to bring to your constituents, and I know I love to bring to mine. That's right, and that's what this, this whole podcast is about, let people get a peek into the Freedom Caucus and what it's all about. But let's go back a little bit in the history of how the Freedom Caucus got started. You're one of the founding members, of course. What was the kind of the backdrop, the setting that (laughs) made you guys get together and say something's got to change around here? Well, you're exactly right. And I think change is the big thing, Jody. Uh, You know, candidly, uh, 
when I looked at it, we actually had some votes. And I can remember one particular night, uh, actually Jim Jordan from Ohio, our good friend and colleague, uh, had, he and his wife had come over to spend the night with Debbie and I uh, in our apartment in Washington, D.C. And there had been a rule vote that particular day it was on, uh, I think, the Cromnibus back then, which was where we were taking the uh, Homeland Security bill out. And, oh, we were trying to talk about border security even back then. And, uh, and so Jim had voted one way. I had voted another. And here we were, best friends. And, and I, I woke up the next morning, actually asked for his forgiveness, said, Jim, uh, I, I apologize. I didn't know you were going down this direction. I said, but if we're going to lose... I want to lose with a plan. And that's how it started. I came up with nine people. Obviously, uh, your involvement very early on. Uh, but Jim called a few. I called a few. And I said, if it's only nine of us fighting for Americans, that's nine more than we had yesterday. Uh, it grew to 40. We, uh, a lot has been written about who we are and who we're not. Uh, a lot of it accurate and a lot of it inaccurate. But, but really, it's, it's about trying to put together uh, conservative, like-minded people willing to fight whose best job is not Congress, who they've actually, they, they are willing to hold it so loosely where they say, I'm willing to fight for what is right, even if it sends me home. Uh, I, I couldn't be more honored to, to have fellow patriots uh, working with the Freedom Caucus to hopefully give that forgotten man and woman a voice here in Washington, D.C. Well, and nobody's doing a better job, Mark, than you and in, in your leadership in the caucus. But the caucus has really taken on a form of itself. It's known as the most conservative members of, co of Congress with backbone, uh, willing to take a stand. But really, all of that came to play with a huge move that you made. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go back and talk about that. I mentioned earlier, of course, about the motion to vacate, a rule that nobody else really knew about, and you found that. Uh, tell us uh, how all that came about. You know, I, I remember it well. It was my birthday, as you know. It was, it was birthday. my birthday. We were actually moving from that apartment that I was talking about, uh, that, that where Jim had spent the, the night, and he and his wife with Debbie and I, we were moving to another apartment. One of the worst days in, in, uh, from a logistics standpoint, but sometimes when you feel called, to do what is right for the nation, you you can't make excuses. I could have made. All and I kinds remember of... you struggling. Oh, with that. I was oh, I, I struggled for weeks yes. about it, you know, and 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 I can remember the headlines. It said Meadows Army of One, uh, you know, and when you when you <laughs> look accurate. at it, yeah, it was it was a lonely lonely day, but really it was all about trying to have some leverage uh, for for those that are in the minority. So I went. Well, to, explain what it is. Yeah. So I went to the Jefferson Manual. I found this one little tool that said that a member, one member, I didn't have to have a committee, I didn't have to have anything else, one member could put a privilege resolution on the floor and it would actually start a vote to replace the Speaker of the House. Who now, at that time, of course, was John Boehner. That was John Boehner. You're exactly right. It was John Boehner. I put it in. Uh, I became the, you know, the, well, there's always a skunk at the party. I was just the biggest skunk at that particular time. And so um, I put that in. We actually uh, had, uh, I put it in the hopper. Uh, the reporters were going crazy. I mean, I've never seen so much activity. People running across the House floor when they heard. This was the first time that it had been used in almost 100 years. Uh, here I was taking this tool. And it was going to set up a vote to say, 
is the Republican Party going to continue to stand behind John Boehner, or are they going to get new leadership? We now know the rest of the story. Right. It was a procedural tool that 59 and a half days later, uh, the, the Speaker of the House, because he could sense that the vote was not going to be supportive of his efforts, stepped down. Uh, the only time midterm that a Speaker has ever stepped down without a health issue or without a, you know, a crisis, a political crisis in his life and or her life. And it's, um, uh, you know, it, a lot of it was made about that particular motion. But I can tell you, um, it was really for me, one, I felt called to do. It was not something that I wanted to do. It was not well, out of personal animosity towards the previous speaker. I just felt like that when you tell the people uh, that voted for you, that this is what I'm going to D.C. to do, you need to do it. And, and excuses, you know, they don't work anymore. Absolutely. And, you know, that was obviously the, the turning point in your life personally in, in, in terms of influence in Washington, D.C., but it also was the beginning of a turning point, I believe, for the Freedom Caucus as a whole, uh, because it was from that, uh, after the bumpy roads initially, the Freedom Caucus came to understand your position, and after a couple of weeks started really getting on board with this thing. And uh, would you agree with that? That was kind of really the, the blast off, if you will, the launching pad for the Freedom Caucus becoming it, what it's become. Well, I think you're right, Jody. And here, here's the interesting thing. Up until that point, there, you know, there, there are hundreds of caucuses here in Washington, D.C. Half of them, you and I can't even name the caucuses. I mean, uh, and yet the Freedom Caucus up until that point was just another group of conservatives getting together. It was the first time that a caucus had taken action and in that particular vein, it was action against their own party that says, right. I'm going to stand with the people back home in our, our respective districts, not with the special interest here in Washington, D.C. And, and it did take off. And, and it was much bigger than me. I played a very small role in that. Uh, it's, it's the men and women like yourself who are willing um, to be viewed in Washington, D.C. and not as positive a light as, as you are back home. People back home, they want, they can tell what is authentic and what is not. You know, here in Washington, D.C., they want to pay you for a position and, and they're your buddy as long as you're voting with them. The minute you don't, uh, you're their enemy. And we just can't have that. Well, that's right. But, you know, I, and you're very humble in saying your role was very small. That was a huge step, Mark. It was a, a huge step for our whole country, not just for up here in Washington. But let's go on from there. Uh, people since the very beginning have tried to write the Freedom Caucus off. During the Obama <laughs> years, the Freedom Caucus was not needed because there were enough moderate Republicans to vote for the Democrat with the Democrats, so this little conservative group was not needed. And then here comes uh, President Trump, and uh, you know we're just going to be a bunch of yes men. And yet, immediately after the president was elected, we had a big battle over repealing Obamacare. Uh, so the, the Freedom Caucus continues uh, to have significant influence, but now we're in the minority right? Uh, as a Republican Party and the Freedom Caucus a minority within the minority. What right. is the role that you see now with the Freedom Caucus? Well, you're right. And headlines are always out there that this is the death of the Freedom Caucus. It's been written over and over and over again. And yet uh, we continue to rise up and show that the voice of the American people still has a place in Washington, D.C. And that's true today, even as you say, in the minority within the minority. Here's the, the key component. 
It may be different when you have a different president in the White House, but when you have a president that really is about keeping his promise to the American people, uh, it fits in very finely with the with Freedom Caucus. And, and, and we get, as you know, we get to, uh, to chat with the president on a regular basis. You and I were meeting with the president just a few weeks ago on border security. But here's the, the, the interesting aspect as, as we start to look at this. We've had more Democrats reaching out to members of the Freedom Caucus, you, me, others within the caucus, to look at co-sponsoring legislation in a Democratic-run uh, house. Which you kind of scratch your head over, you, but you it's do. amazing. You, you do. I mean, but you, you can yeah. attest to that. I can attest to that. But here's what they understand. In order to get the president's signature, they're going to need some conservatives on board to make sure that we're doing it. So we're forming a new alliance, uh, perhaps dealing with people that we've never dealt with before, to find that common ground on behalf of the, the American people uh, uh, from coast to coast. And, uh, and I've, I've been excited. I mean, I've had real discussions on how we save Social Security with a Democrat from from up in the New England states. Wow. I mean, you know, so here I am, a conservative from North Carolina, and John Larson is who I'm talking about. He wouldn't mind me saying that. He's been very thoughtful. We're trying to come together with a plan to save Social Security uh, because we've got a president that will do bold things. Now, hopefully, we have uh, members in, in the House and the Senate willing to do the same. So it's a different tactic, uh, a different strategy. And, and in, you know, if we get a, a new Republican speaker, it may change. But uh, we're, we're uh, still a factor legislatively. That's amazing to think of the prospects of where that could go. Last week, we had a very interesting hearing in the Oversight Committee uh, with uh, Cohen there. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? We've got all these investigations uh, that have been ongoing, some coming to a conclusion, others just beginning, it appears, one investigation after another. What was your takeaway from last week? Where are we on uh, the uh, investigations from 2016, and, and where are we headed from here? Well, it's the first time, and I've served on the Oversight, and what we used to call it, the Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Now it's just the Oversight and Reform Committee. I guess the Democrats don't think that we need to reform it goes beyond, government. It goes beyond uh, government now. But, but I can tell you that if we're looking at this, it's the only time that we've ever had a, a, a criminal, someone who's been prosecuted for lying, to come in and lying to Congress, lying to Congress, come before Congress and get this. He was given a 30 minute opening, Jody. I mean, you can't lay it out there and say, OK, now you're supposed to get, you know, for those that are listening, you're supposed to get five minutes. And sometimes if they get real long winded, we're a little gracious. But in this particular time, he got a 30 minute opening and a 10 minute close. This is all about putting forth a narrative that the Democrats want to go after this president. Listen, I'm all for proper oversight. I've signed on 22 different bipartisan letters about oversight, even in this, uh, under this administration. But yet, when you put out all the kind of things that they're going to look at, they're looking under every rock to try to get things that are damaging on the president and his family and those in his cabinet. It is not the role of, of Congress, and it's certainly not healthy for America. Well, I know we've got to wrap up, but it really is disturbing. Most of the time, investigations are based on some sort of evidence out of which an investigation there uh, ensues from that perspective to try to find the truth, but now they're going out searching uh, in order to find 
some sort of criminal. It's just it's turned upside down, and it's a it's an unprecedented unprecedented time. You're uh, you're exactly right, Jody. I, I can tell you when you start looking at all the letters and where they're wanting to investigate and look at. I mean, it it will force people to never want to serve a, a day in not just in the White House, but in in the government in here, in particular. Here, I mean, it, it's just you know when do we start to add a little bit of common sense? to these investigations. Hopefully it, it'll be soon. Well, Mark, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. You are an American hero for millions of people, uh, people who are listening right now, and your leadership has been spectacular. It's an honor to serve with you in Congress, but most especially in the Freedom Caucus, and I'm, I'm honored to have you on this first edition, first episode of the Freedom Caucus podcast. So thank you for joining us. Well, I look forward to coming back and join you and, and ditto to you. Thank you for your service. You know, I would just ask the people that are listening to pray for our country, pray Absolutely. for its leaders, and certainly pray for our families. God That's bless you. That's the biggest you. need we have. Thank you so much. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, we thank you for joining us. We would encourage you and ask you to uh, go to iTunes and give a review of this program. Next week, Jim Jordan will be joining me. He's the Oversight Ranking Member. And, of course, we'll be talking about uh, the premier investigative tool that we have in the House of Representatives and where uh, he believes this is going. So join us next week with Jim. Be sure to remember to follow us on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and our handle on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, have a great day. 